This is the Easy Living Yards Podcast. I'm Ben Hale, your brisk host. Let's jump in and learn how to have a healthy, beautiful yard with less work so you can enjoy more time doing what you love. What's up and welcome to episode 35 of the Easy Living Yards podcast. Today we are going to be talking all about easy fall decorations. You know, a lot of times we talk on this podcast about how to save time with your landscaping and to do less work in your landscaping, but still have a beautiful landscape so you can enjoy more time with the important things in life, like spending time with your family, working towards your life passions, and that sort of thing. Today we're going to dial it back a little bit because everybody loves to just have a little bit of seasonal pop, right? Everybody loves to have something beautiful and look to to feel part of the season. And that's really important, actually, to just enjoy the time of year that we're in. And so today we're going to step back and talk about uh, easy fall decorations for your yard and for your front porch. So that's actually really important, too, just to make sure you're enjoying the time of year that you're in, the time of life that you're in, and enjoying time with your family. And part of that is being festive, right? So this is actually really important, too. So before we jump into that today, I want to give you guys a little bit of update with our lives and where we're at right now. We are in the middle of a front yard renovation. So we're we finally get to the point with our own house where we can start focusing outside of our house and fixing that up a bit. And so it's it's been a, a tough couple of years. So we've been in this house for about six years now. It's crazy to think it's gone so fast. Uh, we've been in this house for six years. And in that time, we've been mainly focusing on the interior of the house because it really needed a lot of major TLC and (laughs) triage, I guess is a better term for that. So we bought a house that was in pretty rough shape and and we've really dedicated a lot of our life and energy over the past six years to not only raising our kids and and having a healthy environment for them, but also just slowly repairing and and restoring this home to to make it a beautiful home that it is. And and now we've gotten to the point where uh, the interior is definitely not fixed up. I'm actually recording in the house today and so you might hear a little echo because um, I'm not in my high tech studio, aka the car, <laughs> and and um, I'm actually looking at some unfinished business inside the house. It always kind of gets me, but but we, <laughs> despite the unfinished business, we started to focus on some landscaping outside. And the first and most important thing for us has been to redo the the foundation garden of our front yard. And so um, I'm looking right now, I've got some marker flags out there. I can see out the front door and, and the lawn is partly torn up of where we're going to be putting the the garden into place. And and so I'm going to keep you guys updated on the progress of this project and how it's going. And so if you guys are thinking about making a change in your life with your landscape, now is really the best time. We're actually starting to get towards the tail end of when you should be working on it. So if you guys, especially those of you that live in the, <laughs> I'm talking about the United States here. So for you global folks, we'll have to translate it a little bit. But but for people that have a, a more heavy winter, let's put it that way, uh, really this is the time, this is the best time to be planting your plants, to establishing a new garden, and to really focusing on some of those projects. So get those plants in the ground, help them get established, 
Usually it's good for them to have several weeks before the first heavy frost where the ground is actually getting frozen. And um, that gives the plants time to establish a little bit. And as long as the ground's not frozen, your perennial type plants will continue to have root growth underneath the ground. So there's still activity underneath the ground, even though above ground it might not appear so. And so that's why the fall is so good for establishment. You don't have weed competition. It's generally a more moist time of year. And and it really gives a head start on the plants that you want to grow in that space. So if you guys are considering a fall garden, this is a great time to do it. And in tandem with that, I am offering a discount over the month of October. So starting with this episode, if you want to consult with me, I have several spots available to open for consultation. So you can go over to ely.how slash consulting. And as you check out, you can enter the the code fall 2018. That's F A L L T U zero A. I messed it up for you guys. All right, let's try again. F A L L two zero one eight. So fall 2018. And you can get a 20% discount on consultation to help you with your yard and to make the most impactful changes to improve your yard and improve your life. So with that guys, I want to jump into a few other intro pieces before we jump into the content. If you've listened to this show before and you enjoy what you're getting out of this show, I try and provide a lot of value that you guys can take action on in your landscape to make a positive impact. And so a great way to say thank you for that is to go on over to iTunes and leave a review. The reviews are very important with helping me to reach new people and to get noticed and to really help make a positive impact, a more broad impact with more people. So if you haven't yet left a review, consider going on over to iTunes and leaving a review. So all you do is you type in ely.how, ely.how slash iTunes, and it'll take you right over to my show page on iTunes, and you can go ahead and leave a review. And thanks in advance. Another way you can help out the show is to share this show with a friend. That's another great way for me to reach new people and, and people that could use the help that we're talking about on this show. So if you know somebody that's looking to save time and have a beautiful landscape, consider sharing them this show. And so there's three ways you can do that. First, check out your podcast app. A lot of times there's a share button. So you can hit the share button and select one or two friends. Think of at least one friend that you could share this show with and introduce them to how to save time in their landscape and make a positive improvement in their life. Or if you don't have a share button on your your app that you're listening to, consider taking a screenshot and sharing it either via text or Facebook with one or two of your friends and see if they could use some of the value in this show. Okay, now let's jump in and talk about our favorite plant of the day. Today's favorite plant is the New England Aster. The New England Aster has the Latin name, it's a a ridiculous mouthful. Like I know a lot of times the Latin names are tough. Well, this one's especially tough. So it's Symphiotrichum novi angliae. Okay. So it's crazy. Sometimes a lot of landscapers are still calling it Aster novi angliae. And that's because the, the 
geneticists in the taxonomy world decided that the um, the aster group needed to be split up into a million pieces. And so <laughs> a lot of the landscaping people haven't figured that they're going to change the name yet, but the, the, the actual name is Symphiotrichum novi angliae, and you can pronounce that probably a million different ways. But for now, um, just check out the show notes if you want to see the Latin name. And why did I pick the New England Aster for today's show? Well, for a specific reason. One, I am looking outdoors at people's gardens and in the naturalized landscape and seeing these beautiful purple fall flowers. And those beautiful purple fall flowers are one of two flowers usually, and here in the Midwest at least. One is the ironweed, and second is the New England aster. Now, I love ironweed as well. It has a horrible name, right? Because anything with the word weed in it, you're like, why the heck would I want that in my garden, right? Or there are actually some beautiful cultivated varieties of ironweed. But we're not talking about that one today. We're talking about the New England aster. So the New England aster has this kind of a very subtle purple color, but while it's subtle in a singular flower, when it gets these clusters of flowers all over the plant, it's just beautiful. And it has a good long bloom time throughout late August through late September, sometimes into October. And it's just a, a pop of beauty that I love. Now, there's a lot of cultivated varieties of this flower too. The natural variety, just the straight species, is is prevalent in the naturalized landscape. It's a U.S. native to the eastern U.S. And usually if you actually try and cultivate this in your own garden, uh, just the straight species, it requires some staking a lot of times because it's a taller flower. It's a type of like a prairie and a meadow type plant. So it grows more vertically than it does horizontally. Now there are several varieties that do really great in your, your more formal garden areas. And so one variety I want to highlight today is one that we're putting in into our garden project that I'm staring at right now. Um, and it's the purple dome variety. So purple dome aster is a cultivated variety that has a, a mounding habit. So it'll go only to about one and a half to, to maybe two feet tall sometimes, but usually it tops out at about one and a half feet and it grows two to three feet wide. So it's this like short, wide mound of just, and, and by the time fall rolls around in late summer, you get this beautiful burst of color when these purple flowers come out and it has a nice yellow center to kind of accent the flower. And so it's your, it's just your typical aster flower and, and it's so beautiful. And, um, the, the nice thing about the purple dome variety is it has a longer bloom time. So it goes from about late August all the way through mid-October until you get that first heavy frost usually. And sometimes you'll still continue some blooms even later than that. So it's such a beautiful flower. That's why I recommend it. It's a nice alternative to the chrysanthemum or more commonly termed the mums. So if you love mums, especially purple mums, consider the New England aster as a potential alternative, especially if you're more interested in something that's native. Now, there are a lot of asters that are not native to the United States. So just if you're, if you're, if native is important to you, make sure you check which aster it is and, um, I'll have a resource for you to guys. You guys can check out at least the New England Aster. Um, it's a link to the Missouri Botanical Garden. The Missouri Botanical Garden is a great resource, uh, especially for those of you who live east of the Mississippi River. And this resource 
has a ton of links on all these different types of uh, plants that can be used in your landscape. And you can check out the not only the native status of this plant or the origin of this plant, but also a lot of the other um, important factors like sunlight and soil type and all those things that can help you understand what are the right plants for your space. Okay, so guys, I spent a ton of time on this intro today. Uh, Important stuff, and I wanted to get it out, but um, make sure you check out the New England Aster. Great fall plant, and we'll be having it in our front garden landscape that we're working on now. And now, let's talk about easy fall decorations. So what are we going to cover today? Today, we're going to cover easy things that make your yard pop in the fall season. And you guys can tell, I don't like the word autumn. It just sounds too proper to me, too proper. So um, we're going to be talking about fall instead of autumn today. Okay, so in the season of fall, what are the easiest things we can do to make your yard pop? Well, first, simple decor items. Secondly, color. Third, I'm going to cover where you can get this stuff. Fourth, some plants. And last, some style guidance. So let's jump right in, finally. When we start with decor items, I want to focus here on the very simple things that aren't necessarily going to break your pocketbook and not necessarily something that you have to store away in a bunch of giant boxes down in your basement or something for next year. So what are some easy things we can do to really make our front porch pop for the fall season? So first, I want to talk about themes. So when it comes to themes that I think about fall, these kind of Uh, coach or guide you onto what types of plants you might have, or not plants, but decor you might have in your landscape. So when I think of themes for fall, I think of earthy or natural, um, cozy, and harvest. So those are kind of general themes that really kind of shape the type of decor you have for the fall season. So it's starting to cool down the the abundance of the year is starting to fade away and you get this beautiful weather at the same time. You get beautiful color popping out across all these trees and everything. And so this is the time of year that really influences those types of themes. So first and foremost, of course, is pumpkins, right? So pumpkins are pretty much a staple in the decor, at least here in the Midwestern uh, of the southeast ohio area Uh, and so pumpkins are pretty much a must-have when it comes to your fall decor and it kind of almost feels like it goes without saying but pumpkins are just fun i think they're cool Um, now there are several ways you can get these pumpkins and also several things you can do with pumpkins um, after you use them as decor first and this is a little late now, but you can grow your own. So you can think about this for next year is uh, pumpkins are actually pretty easy to grow. You can just plant a few seeds and really you have uh, several pumpkin vines coming up. Um, you can get all sorts of different varieties of pumpkins and you just kind of take that kind of unused patch of property that you might have as a garden space and you plant a few pumpkin seeds and as long as they have semi-consistent moisture throughout the year, you'll get some pretty nice pumpkins come fall. And so that's a lot of fun. Uh, secondly, if you don't have a pumpkin vine, you can go to the pumpkin patch. 
And this is kind of like an old school thing, but really this is the time of year where tradition really starts to come through, right? We're starting that that end of year season where I think it really starts with fall as people and families like to come together, spend time together, and really focus a little bit more on traditions. And one of those traditions, at least around here, is to go to the pumpkin patch. Now, of course, you can head down to the local Kroger or... Piggly Wiggly, whatever whatever store you have, right? Your typical grocery store, and pick up a pumpkin for a couple bucks, right? It's hard to beat the price of a grocery store pumpkin. The mass-produced pumpkins are cheap; they're easy to come by. But you're missing a huge part of the tradition when you do that. Even before we had kids, we actually went. My wife and I went. And this is when we were still dating. We would go to the pumpkin patch, just the two of us. And yeah, we we kind of stuck out a little bit because everybody else had kids. But we kind of made that a tradition for our family. And it's such a wonderful tra- tradition to go visit the farm and visit. Uh, you know, take a hayride, uh, pick some pumpkins out of the pumpkin patch, have some fun. Um, there's usually fresh baked goods there. It's just a nice experience. It makes for memories. And so now we take our boys there and have a good time with our children and they have great memories of this experience. So it's not just a pumpkin on the porch. It's a memory on the porch. And so just think about that, where you're going to get your pumpkin. And yeah, they're a little bit more expensive. If you want like 50 pumpkins, maybe you can go down to your local grocery store and get a couple as filler as well uh, instead of spending it all at the pumpkin patch locally. But but think about what you're doing as well. When you're going to a pumpkin patch, a local farm, you're supporting that family to make a living and to continue doing that for for your next generation to have the same memories as well. So just consider that. Now, the next thing is you can consider getting, instead of just the big jack-o'-lantern pumpkins, which is a, a later point, is you can also get the smaller pumpkins that are great pie pumpkins. So generally speaking, your smaller pumpkins are different varieties that make really good cooking pumpkins. Uh, they're really good. They're a type of squash, right? A pumpkin is a type of squash. And so originally, pumpkins were grown for for use for storage over winter and for eating and nutrition. And so the smaller pumpkins, a lot of times it's good to look for specific pie pumpkins. They're generally a little bit more expensive, but of course, pie pumpkins are great for, you guessed it, for pies. And it's really fun to know that you made something yourself from something such so raw like a pumpkin. Can you, you can turn it into such a wonderful baked good like a pumpkin pie, which by the way is one of my favorite pies. So Pumpkin pies are awesome. You can do it yourself with pie pumpkins. Yes, it takes some extra work just to forewarn you, but it's also a very fun experience. Now, I mentioned that pumpkins are considered a winter squash. Well, there's a lot of other winter squashes as well. So you can consider getting other winter squashes as part of your decor. So you can get, for example, butternut and acorn squashes are two really common ones. So you can get some other squashes. They're usually different colors and shapes and sizes, and they can really help pop your decor as well. So they give you a variance of color and size and shape that can go out on your porch along with your pumpkins to look like, you know, your typical cornucopia type harvest looking decoration. And then when you're ready to take down those decorations, 
assuming that the squirrels haven't eaten them. You bring them in, and you can use them for your cooking and baking. So they're great for soups and savory dishes. There's all sorts of recipes you can find on these different squashes and what you can do with them. Next, you can consider gourds. So a gourd is a type of squash as well, but it's a little different. Usually gourds are used for uh, making, well, back in the day, they were actually used as scoops, for, especially for water. Um, but now, uh, gourds, a lot of times, they're used for birdhouses. So if you want to have a birdhouse next year, you can get these gourds, and they still look really nice on your front porch. And then come winter, you store it, and come spring, you place it out, and you, you of course, you drill a hole in it and hang it properly. Um, so you can look up how to convert your gourds into a birdhouse to make a home for some, some flying critters around your property. Now, I mentioned it earlier, jack-o'-lantern pumpkins are great for jack-o'-lanterns. So you can consider getting the bigger pumpkins and uh, to have fun with your kids or to have fun with your spouse or your friends, uh, you can convert your pumpkins after you use them for just, you know, your typical fall decoration. Getting closer to Halloween, of course, it's a lot of fun to carve your pumpkin into a, a corny looking jack-o'-lantern. And it's the old school jack-o'-lanterns. You don't see them as much anymore with people carving them, but they're still a lot of fun. And they add, a, a, again, a nice touch to a type of season uh, that we're in. And, and really just help us be part of the season and to enjoy it at the same time. Now, last thing is uh, another fun activity. Again, a lot of these activities require work, but if you're doing it with your family or your friends, it's not work. It's a, a reason to come together and to enjoy life and to make memories together. And so this last piece is making roasted pumpkin seeds. This is something uh, we used to do as a kid uh, is as we were making our jack-o'-lanterns, we would, we would kind of scoop out all that nasty pulp and we would pick out the seeds and, when, and then we would season them and roast them. And they were really fun, kind of like sunflower seeds. You kind of pop them in your mouth and you kind of chew on them and break out the shell and eat the seed inside. And you spit out the shell. And of course, as a kid, it's really fun because you get to, you know, you get to spit stuff. So what's not cooler than that? Okay, so that's enough on pumpkins and squashes. So the next item is another staple of fall decoration, and that's hay bales. So when it comes to hay bales, I actually recommend several things. And this makes the process of getting them a little more complex. But if you, especially if you intend to use them more than just for decoration in the future. This is really important. So first, get straw bales, not hay bales. So straw bales are are stalks of certain grass-type plants that have the seed heads removed. So there's no seeds or very few seeds available in the straw bale compared to hay bales a lot of times have a lot of different seeds in them. So they can cause growth in your garden if you intend to use them later. Or you can look for seedless hay. So if people harvest, um, sometimes they call it orchard grass. So that's basically just grass growing in between trees in an orchard. And sometimes they cut it before it goes to seed. So you check if it has seeds in it or not. Um, some options for straw are oat, uh, a grain called triticale, alfalfa, um, wheat, or rye. Um, so those are just some, there's others as well, but those are just some examples. You can also sometimes find clover, um, uh, straw or hay as well. And so generally alfalfa and hay, they call straw. 
or not straw, they call it hay. And, um, and then some of the others they call straw because they're, they're harvesting the grain and then they come back again and they harvest the, the straw, the remaining shoot of the plant and sell it as straw. And a lot of times straw is used for bedding and hay is used for uh, forage or for eating for grazing animals in the winter. Um, now when it comes to your hay bales or your straw bales, it's also important to get organic or non-sprayed straw or seedless hay. Um, the reason for this is there's these newer sprays that are out there that um, certain farmers use on their their hay or their straw, and it prevents certain weeds from growing, and it doesn't harm or so-called harm the animals that eat it later. Now, the unfortunate thing is it passes completely through the system of these animals and it can kill your plants in your garden if you intend to ever use this in a garden setting or as mulch for a newly planted area. Um, it can actually prevent the growth of plants in this area. And they, so you really want to be careful to make sure it's not sprayed and so you can use it in your garden. Now, that goes into my next point, is if you plan to use it for more than dec- just decoration, Straw or hay, um, seedless hay, is a great mulch cover um, in your garden. So you can pile it up kind of densely, and it'll slowly break down over the course of a year or so, especially with moisture. And it provides a wonderful nutrient source and cover for your garden. Also, weed prevention if it's thick enough. Uh, Likewise, it's a great mulch cover for your grass seeding if you're seeding any new areas. So it's great stuff not only as decoration, but also as... um, as a use in your landscape. It's also a good compost filler. So if you do any composting, it's a good way to add so your so-called browns to your compost pile. Now, where can you find this straw or seedless hay? For one, you can actually go to places like Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's, and they do sell it, but usually it's a you're paying a premium price, and generally they're tiny little straw bales, but you can do it, um, and, and that's a place to find it. Now, if you want some larger size bales, you can check out places like Craigslist, uh, Facebook Marketplace, Tractor Supply, Rural King, or those, you know, your farm supply stores generally have uh, your larger bales for less of a premium because people are buying them in more bulk quantities. Or your local landscape supply store also has them. Next decoration corn stalks. So corn stalks are a lot of fun too to have, you know, to make your home look a little harvesty or whatever. And so where do you find these? First, you can visit your local farmer um, or go to your local farmer's market. It's a great place to find your local farmer and to build connections. Um, next, you can also check with your friend that gardens. A lot of gardeners now in their home gardens grow little bits of corn. And so they might be done with the stalks. They might not want to use them. And you might be able to get them from them just for a decorative accent to your front porch. Or they look also kind of fun around your mailbox. Um, so some things to think about there. Um, you can use the stalks as decoration. You can also get colorful ears of corn. So like you, you know, a lot of people call it Indian corn, right? So you have kind of your maroon colors or your blue colors of corn and they can look really fun, um, to use as a decoration next to your porch light or, um, around a wreath or something like that. So, so there's multiple parts of the corn plant that look really decorative in the fall season. And next idea, of course, is to plant it next year, especially if you have ears of corn that are dried for decoration. 
consider holding on to it through the winter and then planting it in the springtime for your own harvest of corn next year for next year's decorations. Okay, the next idea I have is a much less common one, but something we did as children a lot was to build a scarecrow. So you can kind of, you know, take some old clothes and make your own scarecrow with a jack-o'-lantern head. Um, It's a really fun activity. It's kind of cheesy. It can be cute or funny, you know. It's not exactly like a formal decoration. But it's kind of a fun thing to do, especially if you have kids, uh, to put in your landscape and just have some fun with it. Um, the last thing too is some wood cuttings. So you can use, uh, pieces of stumps or, or split wood that make really great structural accents to your decorations. Again, it kind of goes with that harvest theme or preparation for winter. And so wood can look really nice as well in a decoration area. It's a very cheap item that's widely accessible. Also, a neatly stacked wood pile can give you kind of that cozy feel as well. So it's kind of a hint of the oncoming winter in a way. It's very subtle, but it's fun. Okay, enough about the dead and inanimate stuff. Let's talk about something a little bit more livey with pep in it, right? So let's talk about some plants you can use. So, of course, it goes without saying almost that mums are a great fall accent item. And when you're you're looking for mums, consider looking for hardy mums. These are ones that in northern climates, some northern climates up to zone 6, sometimes zone 5, you can plant them and grow them for next year as well. So after you use them on your porch as a decoration, you can stick them in the ground and expect them to come back. Now, we've had kind of intermittent success with these guys. So it's something where uh, mums aren't always the greatest for coming back year after year. Um, but you can consider uh, that when you look for it, and, and it might provide you some beauty next year. Now, I want to point out that mums are intermittently toxic, um, so they can be a skin irritant. If you if you or a child eats too much of a mum, um, it can actually cause vomiting or even worse conditions. Um, likewise for pets. So it's something you want to just keep an eye on them and make sure that nobody's munching on them. Uh, but the plus side of that is, generally speaking, they're left alone by your deer as well if you have deer problems. So just something to keep in mind. They're so common that, and you hear so few problems of them, you see that it's not really that big of a deal. It's not like they're highly poisonous, but they are something you you don't want your kids sitting there munching on some mum leaves. Okay, I mentioned it earlier in the show with our featured plant of the day, but you can also consider asters. They're not as common as mums, so it might be more difficult to find, but some of these are, are U.S. natives, and they also look great in your planted landscape. So they look great potted on your porch. They also look great planted in your landscape. So the first one is our featured plant, which is Symphiotrichum novi angliae, which is the New England aster. And that's great for sunny conditions. And the Symphiotrichum oblongifolium is a great shade plant. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of the common name for it right now. It's slipping my mind, but that's a great uh, shade one. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes so you can check that out. And again, just as a reminder, the show notes, you can go to ely.how slash episode 35. And, and so that's episode 35, and that'll take you to all the show notes. You can check them out. Now, grasses are also great in the fall. They really start to come into their own because a lot of them have their seed heads on them, and that's when a lot of your flowers are starting to fade out. Your grasses are getting some rich colors in them as well. 
They're a great texturizer. They have this windy and wispy feel to a lot of them as an accent plant or as like a, a background plant, but they really start to come into their own. Of course, grasses range from anywhere from about a foot tall at mature size to six feet tall. And so really this is a broad generalization. Here I'm going to talk about some of your shorter ones. So I'm going to run through this list pretty quick. So first is one of my favorites, which is prairie drop seed, Sporobolus heterolepis. Now, prairie drop seed is a, a low mounding grass, beautiful mounding texture, has these wonderful seed heads that pop up um, late summer and they'll persist through the fall. They look really great. When they're in bloom, they actually smell wonderful, but by now it's kind of fading away. So now you're looking at the structural piece of it. You still have some green through the winter, um, at least through the late fall. And uh, the seed heads will start to get some color on them now. So this is a great time with prairie drop seed. Uh, little blue stem um, is the Shizacarium scoparium. And, and trust me, guys, aren't you glad that they didn't have Latin names of plants in your spelling bees as a kid? <laughs> I think I, I won a spelling bee as a kid, and uh, I definitely wouldn't have won it if uh, they had Latin names. Now, the reason I share these Latin names is not to just have fun. I mean, it is kind of fun to say these, especially because I butcher half of them. But the reality is this helps you identify the plant because a lot of times common names are used for multiple plants or are regionally specific. So if you use a common name in one region, you might go somewhere else and it's a different name. So I want to make sure you're talking about the right plant at the landscape store when you're asking for the plant. And using the Latin name is a universal thing across the globe when it comes to plants. So little blue stem, it's really beautiful this time of year. It's a little bit taller than prairie drop seed, and it gets this beautiful color as the as the green starts to fade out of the plant this time of year you get these beautiful other colors coming in so you get hues of red and and silver and blue and gray and you a lot of times you get this variation of color in one plant and it looks really beautiful a next plant is muley grass. Now, this is one that's more of a southern plant. So if you live, uh, say, USDA zone um, 7 or above, you might have trouble growing it. There are a few species that can kind of creep up that edge a little bit, say to zone 6 or sometimes even zone 5. But um, it's tough to keep them growing throughout the year, especially in a cold winter. So um, Mullenbergia species, check them out. I have a link in the show notes, of course. Um, there's one variety I'm trying to remember. Uh, it's Mullenbergia, and then the the species starts with an R. It's a really long name, but the the cultivar is Autumn Embers, and that one um, is a that species and that variety can grow up to zone five and is hardy through the winter in that zone. So, muley grass is a beautiful grass. It has this pink burst of color late in the season. It just looks awesome. It's like a pink cotton ball almost, and they're beautiful. So check those out. Uh, next is your sedges. So sedges, there's a huge um, uh, family of of plants. Um, so these are your Carex genus. And there's sedges that are native to across the whole world. And um, so one that's locally native to the Midwest is Carex pennsylvanica. So Pennsylvania sedge is beautiful sedge. Um, it's a great alternative to lawns. Um, and it, it has this very low mounding texture that's just it's just wonderful. And so it's something you can consider uh, in your garden areas as well as maybe in a potted accent this time of year. 
Okay, so some other plants real quick are uh, your sunflowers, your coneflowers, and your goldenrods all look great this year as well. So um, those are just other plants. Now I'm going to kind of wrap up now. It's it's getting kind of long in the show, and my voice is still pretty rough. If you guys, hopefully you haven't been able to notice too much, but um, uh, I want to finish off with just some su- design suggestions. First thing, don't overdo it. So a little bit of decor goes a long way into making things pop, to giving a beautiful accent to the landscape. So a few accents are more impactful than a lot of stuff. When you have too much stuff, it just looks kind of gaudy. Now, sometimes it's fun to go for that level, right? So if you just want to look like you're overdoing it, like Christmas time, you see that house with it's just like 50 million lights on it, right? It's fun. So if that's what you're going for, just go all out and do it. But if you're looking for something that's just kind of a nice accent, make sure you're not overdoing it. And a few things can go a really long way. So I gave you a lot of ideas today. By all means, don't do all of them. Pick the ones you like. Pick the ones that are easiest and the most fun and do that. Okay? So I'm going to wrap up there. And now I want to share with you today's links. So today's links you can check out at ely.how slash episode 35. That's ely.how slash episode 35. Now, of course, I've been using Pinterest recently. I always thought it was this big girly thing. But the reality is Pinterest is an awesome tool to share things visually and to share ideas especially um, that are manifested through a picture, right? So that's how Pinterest is really good. So I've been trying to use Pinterest more option with capturing some of the ideas I'm talking about. So you can check out, I created a board of fall decoration ideas of things people have shared for fall. I also have another board of awesome fall grasses. So check out those two boards available in the links. You can also go on Pinterest and search for Easy Living Yards, and there my boards will come to the top of the page for you to check out. Now, with the awesome fall grasses, I have pictures of the grasses I talked about today. Also, you can check out a link for today's plant, which is the New New England Aster. Um, The variety Purple Dome especially is great in your garden. Now, of course... If you guys want any free items, I have tons of giveaways over at ely.how slash free. There's a bunch of free giveaways that you can download and have dropped right in your inbox. If you guys have a question for the show, go on over to ely.how slash pod, and that'll get you to the podcast page. There's a button right at the top to ask a question. Of course, there's a link in the show notes. And last, but certainly not least, if you guys want some specific help in your landscape, either with some decorations or more specifically to make a positive change in your life through changing your landscape like we're doing right now in our yard, consider consulting with me. You can go to eoy.how slash consulting, and there you can find the options to consult with me. Don't forget to use the offer code fall 2018 that's f-a-l-l 2018 you'll get 20 percent off through the month of october to consult with me and to make a positive change in your landscape to free up time in your landscape so you can spend more time doing what you love and with that guys thanks for tuning in make sure you live with passion and make tomorrow better than today